0: I'm Gabby, Jules Grace, guys, over West London. Um, but Jules, what a show we have for you today. Because We yeah. thought it was just a quietly leading international week. Big sigh of relief for my people. To <laughs> play the playoffs. Yeah. Never play North Macedonia ever again. Um, but we have to start somewhere else. We have to start at the Maracanã, at the home of football. Argentina beating Brazil 1-0. And from the footballing element... There's already a ton of things to talk about because this is (laughs) their third defeat. It's the first ever defeat in a World Cup qualifier uh, at the Maracanã. But to help us go through what happened off the pitch before the game, um, which is really quite remarkable, um, we're joined by uh, Gustavo Hoffman of uh, ESPN Brazil. Uh, Gustavo, I'm going to quickly describe what I think the the flashpoint was. My understanding is the teams came out. They played the national anthem. During the anthem... In a portion of the stands where you had um, an organized sort of traveling uh, Argent- for a group of Argentina fans, and you had a group of Brazil fans, they started booing the anthem. Some trouble started, um, and then the police came in, and the police started wielding batons. Things got violent. At that point, a bunch of Argentina players came over, also because some had relatives and family members in that group. We saw Dibo Martinez try to climb into the stands, Lionel Messi's saying, all right, screw this, we're not playing, taking the people off the pitch. Um, then calm was restored. Is that pretty much an assessment? Have I missed anything? Hello, guys. Thank you for having me here. It's all, it's all, always a pleasure.
1: Well, yes, that's the scenario. That's the scenario. That's the said scenario that we have at Maracanã, we had a high expectation for this match to see if Brazil would recover from their losses, if Argentina would recover from, from its loss also from Uruguay. It's one of the biggest classicos in a world, in, in the world football for us in South America. It's the biggest classical ever that we can we can have. But what we saw at the stands of Maracanã was was a shame, was a shame especially for Brazil because Uh, The match was in Rio de Janeiro. The responsible for the organization was the Brazilian Federation with the policy, with all the authorities related to the match. And we saw a huge brutality from the policy uh, of Rio de Janeiro, the military policy of Rio de Janeiro against the Argentinian fans. The huge mistake committed by the organizers was to put all the fans together. Unfortunately, unfortunately, nowadays. Uh, with the scenario of violence in Brazil, in Argentina, in football, you cannot have Argentinian and Brazilian fans all together in the stands of a football stadium. That's sad to say that, unfortunately, but that's the truth. You you have to deal with the truth. You cannot dream of a wonderful world, a beautiful stadium, everybody together, if you don't have this scenario at your society. And that's what that's what happens with brazil and argentina especially with the fans of football so the huge mistake committed by their by the organizers was to put all the fans together and then after that we had the violence committed also between the fans and the brutality as i said by the policy of rio de janeiro inside the stadium there were uh, securities uh, private security like stewards and the military police of the state of Rio de Janeiro, and what we saw at the stands, this brutality against the fans. Uh, the Brazilian fans are also used to, because in Rio uh, it happens so many times with with this police. We saw also this brutality uh, in the streets and beats of Rio de Janeiro uh, at the Libertadores final when we had many, many troubles between Fluminense and Boca Juniors fans. So uh, it was a real, real shame for Brazil what happened in Maracana. Uh,
0: Gustavo, on the pitch, uh, obviously, we saw a very physical match um, the way you expect it to be between Brazil and Argentina. We saw a lot of the players eventually flying home together because (laughs) that's the way uh, that's that's the way it often is. The European clubs pay for their flights um i'm guessing this do, do we have any information on how the flight back was are they just kind of stunned and i and, and annoyed that, that in some ways they have to witness the, these awful scenes before the game do you ever have, have you had any information on that
1: no no i don't have but this the rivalry between brazil and argentina is like i said one of the biggest in the world but especially especially with these players from Argentina and Brazil I'm talking about these both teams not about the history of this 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 rivalry, but these players they create they're they're creating a, a, a major rivalry between them like Rodrigo De Paul Rodrigo De Paul is a player who I know by sources between the Brazilian players they don't like Rodrigo De Paul yeah. they really don't like Rodrigo De Paul we had we had our, some some other matches not many. many problems also with Richarlison, I'm sure you guys remember. So uh, we're talking about a, a giant rivalry between Brazil and Argentina historically and a special rivalry between these players, these specifically players of Argentina nowadays, and also the Brazilian players.
2: I was so, I mean, I have to say, maybe naively, I was so excited by this game, boys. Uh, and maybe I should have known that it was not going to be a pretty, even before the game, because of the fact that Brazil had lost two games in a row, that the tension was quite high for Denise, that you would expect them to go and, and be quite physical and aggressive to, you know, maybe to show Argentina that you and Rio and they were the boss and they had to win. I, I don't know, maybe the pressure. I just never expected to be such a bad game. I won't lie. I mean, 46 fouls in the whole game, in a game where the ball was probably in play less than 50 minutes. That's that's a foul by minute when the ball was actually in play. This is ridiculous. This is not, when you see the player and the talent on the pitch and then you watch it. And for us, we had to stay up quite late. The game kicked (laughs) off obviously half an hour late because of all the trouble that we mentioned already and that we will mention a bit later. So already you stay up, you're excited, you have to wait another half hour for the game to start, and then it's like a parody of
0: football. It's not even football. Yeah, and then you see Messi getting going off early and contributing nothing. I, I, I want to, I, I want to ask Gustavo though. This is Joe's assessment of the game. Does this photograph a little bit the state, or is it because the players were rattled and disturbed by what they saw beforehand? Now, uh, I, I, for sure, I'm convinced that.
1: The, this this terrible football match happened because of what happened before at the stands. I think that the tension inside, inside the Maracanã Stadium, the tension at the stands went to the field. So what we saw in the first half, for example, that was not football. That was not football. And we're not used to watch Brazil play like that. Uh, and, you know, when we talk about football... The, the idea of Brazil, of high pressure, it worked well. They didn't let Argentina create so many chances, but it was a Brazilian team uh, playing so hard, playing with violence, so many yellow cards, so many fouls. Uh, I'm convinced that the tension at the stands, the, prob- the problems that happen at the stands, uh, pass it to the players, the tension also passes it- to the players, we saw Messi arguing with Rodrigo. Rodrigo arguing. Yeah, that with... was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I think that and we're Rodrigo is a very calm guy. He's a very nice guy. So, uh, for sure, the problems at the stands pass it to the field.
0: Well, what is what is the the the, the, the Rodrigo
1: Messi?
2: So he said before, when the game was about to restart. I think Gustavo, correct me if I'm wrong, but. He seemed to descend to the De pole and Messi, like you cry babies, like you know what, like all of this that happened. Just and then, Rodrigo, I mean, you could see Rodrigo and Messi hiding them out and talking to Rodrigo. But you could see they quite aggressive. And uh, it looked, apparently, s- some reports in Argentina saying they basically told him that we're world champions. Like you know, this is this could have been a tragedy. What happened there? We didn't do this just because we didn't want to play this game. Like you know, we are the world champions. We we don't fear anybody, any teams. But yeah, this was an emergency. This was a kind of a crisis. But I don't know what... I mean, you know yeah. Rodrigo better than us, Gustavo. I mean, it was, it was even strange from Rodrigo to to almost start like dissing Messi and
1: the pole of what that just happened. I could
0: see Vinicius doing it, not Rodrigo. <laughs> yeah, Rodrigo.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's what I said. Rodrigo's a very nice guy. Very, very calm guy. We don't see Rodrigo uh, going to many trouble in football matches with Real Madrid or, or, or the Brazilian team. That's why I said that the tension from the stands went to the field because, and also, the, the Brazilian team was too pressed because the, the 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 depression over Brazil because of the bad results before. So this team went to the match red feeling depression. Uh, Brazil for the first time lost now three official mats in a row since 2001. Brazil didn't lose any three official mats in a row since 2001. That time lost four Mets in a row. Let's see what happens now. But uh, the future of Fernando Diniz, people are talking about we don't know what's gonna happen with Fernando Diniz, with Carlo Ancelotti, people are discussing about the quality of the players. For for you to know, guys, in Brazil, uh the fans, many fans, are saying that this is the worst Brazilian team ever. I don't think that it's that's the case. Uh, There's a lot of injuries, though, right?
2: There's a lot of players missing at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, and and I can remember some bad teams from Brazil, like the second tenor of Dunga ahead the Brazilian team. This team of 2001 that played the the Confederations Cup. So we have talent, we have talent players for Brazil, but we need to make a team. And the scenario of the scenario of, of waiting, Carlo Ancelotti. This is the problem. The the problem is when. The CBF, the Brazilian Football Confederation, decided after after the World Cup that we want Carlo Ancelotti. So we're going to wait for Carlo Ancelotti how much time, any time he needs. Then they thought that it could be possible to go with Ramon Menezes, the coach of the Under-20 team. It was a mistake. After the matches again, the friendly match against the African teams, they saw that. So they decided to make a plan B or a plan C. So let's going to hire... Fernando Diniz, the best Brazilian coach working in Brazil uh, with Fluminense, they, 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 they got Fernando Diniz and the things aren't working. Uh, will Carlo Ancelotti be the Brazilian national team manager? They don't know. They have the yes. What we know that is that they have the yes from Carlo Ancelotti, but there's nothing signing. Of course, that there's nothing signing because Ancelotti can't sign anything. Inside CBF, they still think that Tuchelot will be the manager, but it, what are we gonna do in the next it, month? Brazil has two friendlies, Brazil has the Copa America,
0: Brazil has some problems ahead. All right, we should remind everybody, all those people who maybe are not Brazilian, but are fans of Brazil and the green and gold, Brazil will still go to the World Cup because they have six playoff spots, six spots out of 10, plus one in the playoffs. So yeah. the sky isn't falling, not yet. But on the Ancelotti point, and this is the part I really don't understand and and, and help me with it. As you said, Ancelotti is not allowed to sign anything until January 1st, regardless. I think, how can I put this in a way that won't get me in trouble? I think it's been made pretty clear to many people that if Real Madrid give offer Ancelotti the chance to stay, his contract expires on June 30th, then he might stay. He might choose to stay. Um I I I think he said what what my understanding is I will very happily go and manage Brazil if my time isn't renewed at at, at Madrid. What I don't understand is Angelotti's contract with uh Real Madrid ends on June 30th, 2024. The Copa America begins on June 15th, 2024, right? The Champions League final, I think, is two weeks before that. I think La Liga ends. How are they thinking that... uh, How can the the president of CBF saying, Ancelotti will be here for the Copa America, blah, blah, blah. What what is he thinking? Does he not understand the timescale? Is it smart to be saying these things? Yeah, (laughs) that's this is the problem. And we also say this, gap because...
1: uh, And I also say that... Things in football change so quickly from one day to the other. So ah, we have, uh, Carlos Chalot has said yes for us. But you have a whole season ahead of that. So many things can happen. Real Madrid can win the Champions League. They can push for Mbappé again. They have a very young team with players who has ju- have just renewed their contracts. So Carlos Chalot can change his mind if he really said yes. And that's what we know to CBF. And this time scale, doesn't match that really doesn't match and gabi brazil the brazilian football federation underestimated the strength of their rivals in south america they underestimated the qualifiers in south america will brazil go to the world cup of course with seven seven spots in seven seven you know brazil will, will go to the world cup but this is not the problem this, the problem is how brazil is playing how poorly brazil is playing and what's gonna happen? We don't have a team well, today. We have talented players, but I think he's we scoring. don't
2: have a team. I think Gus is right and again. There was a lot of players missing. So you you know, if everybody is fair, it's a different team than the one that we saw against Argentina. But still a team with MSN Royale, a team with you know, like some of those players who started that game. It's not Brazil. I mean, I don't know why I just picked on him.
0: Because yeah, why don't you pick on the guy just, who played uh, center forward, the pretend center forward?
2: No, you don't like Gabriel Jesus. But even <laughs> but no, but even the fact that Gabriel Jesus had not played for a month, was still injured when he was called up by Fernando He went still to the training camp, trained, and then he
0: played. And, okay, there was no setback. He played, all of that. But what, even that was strange. What, what I don't follow here, and this does also doesn't make any sense to me, is okay, you want an interim manager because you believe you want Ancelotti. You know Ancelotti, how Ancelotti has been playing at Real Madrid. Ancelotti isn't, you know, he's not a guy, he's a very flexible manager. He can play very attacking football, he can play very defensive football, but you know the football he's been playing with Real Madrid the last couple of years, right? Why would you bring in a manager like Fernando Diniz, who, by the way, also has another job at the same time and a very yeah, time consuming right. job because yeah. uh, he was, you know, he won the Libertadores. Who plays a football, which I I don't know if we want to call it four two four. I don't know if that's what you call it, but it certainly is extremely attacking and it puts a lot of strain, I think, on the defenders. It's kind of like a yep. high pressing game, which is difficult to do with a national team. It's easier to do with a club team, obviously, because you can train more and get your movements. What what is the logic there? Yep and Fernando Diniz thinks football
1: completely different from from Carlo Ancelotti as you said Gabi <laughs> yeah, Ancelotti is a very flexible manager uh, and the, uh, Fernando Diniz not he's a he's unflexible manager because he thinks football in a specific way and with Fluminense it's working very well but he needs time to practice with the players he need months he needed many many months with Fluminense to to win a trophy and they won the Copa Libertadores why did CBF uh, bring Fernando Diniz Uh, because they thought that Ramon Menezes would be enough this is this is the first point they really thought that Ramon Menezes and an experienced coach who works with the under 20 team would be enough for the Brazilian national team because with Titi our former head coach and with Titi everything was so easy at the qualifying that they thought that would be easy again with any manager
0: because this is a really really good manager
1: exactly exactly <laughs> That's the problem. So That's the this, is, this is the first mistake and then when they realized that ramon menezes could not go on as the brazilian manager they thought oh what can we do now let's bring the best brazilian manager who is working at in brazil now so who is this guy fernando diniz they didn't even think about the ideas of football that, that Fernando Diniz has and what Carlos Ancelotti thinks about football. Actually, I don't even think that Edinaldo Rodriguez, the Brazilian Football Federation president, knows
0: how Carlos Ancelotti thinks football. I'm sure of that. But he, he must, must have football try. technical directors, football advisors around him, even if he's no, not an expert. No, Gab. No,
1: they are not. They are not today, nowadays in Brazil, because uh, after the departure of of titi edu. yeah Juninho, see it was edu yeah. before uh, it, and then it, uh, Juninho Paulista, the former Middle, middlesbrough player so nowadays in brazil everything is decided by edinaldo rodriguez who was not a football player who was always a politician inside the brazilian football <laughs> so I, the, right. th- th- this is a really good point because i think that everybody's understand how cbf works with Titi and Edu Gaspar and then Juninho Paulista, we had the football team like separated from the politics
0: in CBF. Nowadays, it's everything mixed. Yeah, it's it's a good it. point. It seems crazy, Jules. Also because I don't think Alan is greedy, but he's not cheap either. I'm assuming when he comes, he will probably be a massive investment, or if he comes for the for the CBF, right and why wouldn't you go and do all your research and your due diligence?
2: Yeah, it's a good point. And also, if he doesn't come, what do you do? Would you stick with Fernando Diniz now, but you want him as your national team head coach, so he has to give it on Fulminas? If he doesn't want to give it on Fulminas, what do you do? Do you go for somebody else?
0: No, you. That you way, I tell you what you do is you go on your knees to Tietje's house, and you say, Tietje, please. Come back. Come back, just for the Copa America, just come back. Right? Is that a possibility? Well, uh, Fernando, you know,
1: Fernando Diniz will probably be the manager in Copa America, will probably be the manager till next year and to understand what happened. I think, Gab, no, uh, another curious point. Fernando Diniz worked again yesterday because Fluminense played in the the Brazilian Championship. It's crazy, it's crazy. And Fluminense beat São Paulo, one nil, with Hermann Cano, uh, the Argentinian forward goal. So Fernando Diniz worked working two days in a row in Brazil uh, with the yeah. national team and then with his team, and I think that January will be the, the the will be will be when we we really will know what's gonna happen because Brazil needs to know if Carlo Ancelotti will be the manager and also Real Madrid needs to know what's gonna be for the next season. Real Madrid won, yeah. Will- yeah. What wait for that. They need to know. Will Carlos be the manager? Will they try to push for Xabi Alonso? Will be Raul? Who's going to be the Real Madrid I,
0: manager next season? I think, from that part, Real Madrid can know very, very quickly. I think. Right, it's they're they're cool, cool anyway. So it's their cool. call. So if they, if they want to say, Carletto, can you stay another year? I think they can get this wrapped up very, very quickly. Yeah. If they want Xabi Alonso or Raul, uh, then I, don't know, I, I think Raul would sign tomorrow, and you just have to give him the, the fare for the metro to get to That That's easy. Uh, Javi Alonso maybe might take some more effort, yeah. But you know, I I think Real Madrid can control this. I I have zero sympathy for Real Madrid now right now because they have they are in control. Yeah, I don't want to be too negative about Brazil. I'm going to ask you about Scaroni in a minute, but just to just to get us a little bit excited about what will be to help Brazil fans out of their funk. It's the Copa America final, 2016. Everybody who can realistically be fit, sorry, 2016, 2024. Everybody who can realistically be fit for the final is fit. Can you tell me what you think the lineup is? For the Copa America 2020? 2020, yeah, assuming then, everybody's fit yeah. who can realistically be fit, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Because well, well, no, well, I want to show people that when you complain about team, Brazil, yeah. oh, this is the worst team, we don't have the players, blah, blah, blah. No, you do have the players. Yeah, yeah, compared yeah. Compared to no, my country, no. compared to Italy anyway. So tell me the lineup. Uh,
1: yeah, okay. F- uh, goalkeeper, we have Alisson and Ederson, uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, uh, full back at right, Danilo from Juventus. Uh, at left, who, who Brazil is really missing Danilo. At the left back, we can have Caio Henrique, for example, from Monaco. Yeah, it's the good. Defenders. Marquinhos, one of the best in the world. Bremer from Juventus. Uh, Gabriel Magalhães, who's playing for Arsenal. Yeah. In the midfield, we have Casemiro, we have Bruno Guimarães. Uh, we can have Joelinton again. Paquetá, uh, Paque- Lucas Paquetá
0: for sure. Well, if, he's not also- if he's not banned for life, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can have yeah.
1: and Paquetá. And- yeah, okay. so, is Lucas Paquetá as an offensive midfielder. And the forwards, we have Vinícius, Rodrigo, martinelli uh, Endrick, who's going to be a Real Madrid player soon. So options we really have.
0: And João Pedro, if you want a big man, yes. Yeah. And also, Neymar, Neymar, and Neymar, be. of course. And and Neymar. Will Neymar be FIFA for the Copa America? I don't know. That that's a question. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so Brazil fans with this talent, it's kind of hard to screw it up. Once you yeah, get in just, the competition, once you get in the tournament, it's right? not
2: good not to win four games yeah, in a row. Two no, three no. in a row. It's not. It's, just, it's not. You know. I agree. Um. The next game is against England and Gar Sadge, so they, sh- they should win that. Yeah,
0: it's a friendly. Stop it's it, stop being so so.
1: Yeah, and, and Gabi, Jules, there's there's another curious point because uh, you remember I said that Brazil didn't lose three mats in a row since 2001. Uh, in that period, Brazil lost four in a row: two mats in the Confederations Cup, one at the qualifiers of South America to the World Cup, and the first at Copa America. The third match, the third loss, the third loss in a row, it was for Uruguay in the South American qualifiers. Do you know what happened that day? It was the first match of Luis Felipe Scolari as Brazil manager. And with that match, Brazil started to, to, to work with Felipão with Luis Felipe Scolari,
0: and then won the World Cup in 2002. Yeah, it worked out pretty well, but uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit easier if you have Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, Aldo, <laughs> original Ronaldo, yeah. Yeah. just a little bit Cafu, Roberto <laughs> Carlos, yeah. Panzaloni, um, uh, this has kind of been buried, but by... and
2: Argentina overall as well for the game. Just before you go, Scaloni, because Argentina could have lost their head too. I mean, Rodrigo De Paul got slapped in the face literally twice in the first fifteen twenty minutes of the game. I think, to be fair, whether you like Argentina or not, whether you you know you think they're good when they play with four midfielders who are McAllister, Loselso Enzo, and Rodrigo de Paul, with just no pace at all. And then Messi, who clearly was not fully fit. It you know, was really obvious.
0: When he plays badly, he's not fully fit. Okay.
2: <laughs> it's just like, you could tell. I mean, he got he went to see the doctor twice yeah. in the first half hour of the game. so um, And still lasted 75 minutes or so. But at, at the credit they deserve was not to really, really like kind of exploded by first what happened before the game. And then also the the way how aggressive Brazil were and all the fans. I mean, at halftime there was, I think 14 fouls from Brazil and three from Argentina. It was just like, like Gus was staying. It was it was really, really like a physical tough game from Brazil to Argentina. And yeah, Argentina stayed in the game. They won on the set piece. Otamendi we were like dissing on Monday on Monday show <laughs> with the winning goal, great. But I think just before we go on Scaloni, I think they deserve credit, not because they played well, but because they kept yeah. their head cold and didn't lose it, like they could have
0: easily done. I think that's an excellent point. And Gustavo, I believe you used to cover Argentina. You've obviously seen them through the years. If there's an evolution to this Argentina team, it seems to me that, as Jules was saying, after winning the World Cup, or maybe even before that, maybe since Caloni arrived, because we saw that in the game against Uruguay as well, when things get nasty in the past, we've been used to Argentina kind of losing their heads a little bit. Now, it's like, they may, they may lose their, their, their heads once they're defeated. But until, while they're still in it, they stay in control and they maintain mm. a lot more discipline than, than they would have in the past. Is that accurate? Yes, it's accurate.
1: They know their quality. They know they know that they are very good. They know that nowadays they're world champions. Everything began at Copa America uh, in Brazil when they won Copa America, the first trophy won by, by Lionel Messi. At that time, I'm working. In this tournament specifically, I worked for ESPN Argentina because, because of the COVID Argentina, ESPN Argentina couldn't send any reporter for Brazil. So I worked at the whole tournament for ESPN Argentina, covering Argentina. And I was in every match, every training that we could have access, talking to the players, talking to the, 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 the press, the Argentinian press, to the manager. And I, I really saw at that tournament, the turnaround for Argentina there. They began to have a real good team. This is the difference now. Uh, they have a team. They the players know what they have to do on the field. Uh, if you change the right back, if you don't play Molini, if you play the left back with Taliafi or Marcos Acuña, if you play Macalli, Ciro, Angel Di Maria uh, uh, on the left, they know what they have to do. They know their quality. They have a good coach. They have a leader in Lionel Messi. So they they don't need any more to appeal for the violence if, if they're losing, if the other team is too aggressive, they know to play football, they know what they have to do, and they have a very good team. Everything that Brazil doesn't have now. We have the talent, but we don't have a team. Argentina has the talent and also has a very good team. So we were used to, to this kind of trouble with Argentina, always with the Argentinian fans against the Brazil. And what happened was that Brazil lost in this whole mess with Mancelotti, Fernando Diniz, CBF, the pressure is over who? It's over the players. It's over the players who go to the pitch and they're feeling this pressure. Argentina, no, Argentina are calm. They're confident. They know that they don't need
0: to go into a a mess on the pitch. My theory here is that all of this is because Scaloni has Walter Samuel next to him on the <laughs> pitch, and he just scares the players. Anybody misbehaves, you deal with Walter he... Samuel, and that does it. Um, but it, it is a good point, because this brings us to Scaloni and the job he's done. And at the beginning, when the streak started and they're doing well, I thought, okay, it's inertia. But now, I, Jules, I'm kind of rethinking this, because you know what? Otamendi scored a great goal, good leader, whatever, good first half of the season with Benfica last year, but it's still freaking Otamendi. Yeah. Los Elso, who you see, right? Who can't get on the pitch at, at Tottenham. Yeah. Even, when, even when they need him because Madison is out, yeah. right? These are the players, right? Messi with the whole world of things that he forces you to do because he's older when when he's not, when you're not in possession. You know, you mentioned it there, right? Acuna, Tagliafico. I mean, nobody's going to write home about these guys, right? No, for sure. So this is not, I think, a super talented team. When the the most talented, except for the forwards, if I was to ask you, who is the best player in Argentina who's not a forward? You would probably say what? McAllister, Enzo, Enzo, right? somebody like that, right? Romero when he's not getting sent off. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we're not talking top 10 players in the world in any of these. But but to be fair, like Gustavo explained, I think
2: they just needed the team and the structure more than more talent than the greatest player of all time anyway, which they already have. And not for long because there would be a point a little bit of what we saw on Tuesday night where he won't be able to do anymore at that kind of level. For now, he's still fine, of course. But and I think that's Scaloni's what and to be fair, I, I went to sleep, I didn't wait for post match press conferences or interviews and things like that. So I discovered Scaloni's comments after the game when I woke up the next day on Wednesday. And for him to say yeah, I need to have a think now. You know, this team needs a manager with a head coach with a lot of energy. You know, we've played a lot, we've set the bar so high, and maybe he's tired now. And maybe also he knows that after we may, winning the Copa America, the finalissima in a way, and the World Cup. No, but there's three, there's still three, you know, three titles. he can't, it can't do, it can't yeah. do better.
0: Okay, so Gustavo, I'm gonna throw this to you now. So we don't know what decisions Calonia I think there's also suggestions. Is I think his father has not been yeah. very well. He's obviously in enta- He's allowed to make whatever decision he thinks is best for his he's earned the right, yeah. He's, he's earned the right. There's no question there. I do wonder do, do these people not talk to me about, talk to each other? If I must marcelo gajardo, like, right? I was thinking exactly the same thing. Like this, this, you can't wait another week before you say I, yes to Saudi and but. see if there's an opportunity there
1: hundred percent at least just a little bit now <laughs> <But> for sure
0: <laughs> are you can change your mind <laughs>
1: no it would be the best possible fit ever to to replace Lionel Scaloni. but i don't know i i i'm not sure i think that uh, yes Angel- uh is, is tired the match was tough depression everything that happened i think that this this whole environment uh, maybe uh, uh it was too heavy for him this that night I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's gonna leave. I, I, nowadays, yeah. now today, I, I don't think that he's gonna leave. Maybe not until the next Copa America. We have uh, uh, just a few months for the Copa America. We have two two more friendlies in March, then friendlies in the Copa America. So the time is short. Also, I don't. I, I really don't yeah. think that he's gonna leave now. Everybody was shocked by what he said in Argentina. Everybody was shocked because nobody ever said that ah, maybe Scaloni will leave. Scaloni thinking that is gonna leave because we also have many many reportings inside the team. So this kind of news that people know before uh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe is only right. thinking about to leave. But no, it was really shocking for everybody what I said.
0: Yeah I gotta I gotta say this. Hopefully it's right football in South America is physically and mentally exhausting. I've covered yeah. the Copa America. Right, we've obviously been in the World Cup There's nothing it's nothing like this in Europe. In Europe it's it's a dawdle frankly. Yeah. Um He's got four months off now before the next game. In March, it's summer in South America. I don't know where he goes, if he goes to... to, to he blah, lives blah, here. Bro. He lives here in Spain. He lives in Mallorca. To Get out of... is well, okay. So it's a winter for him. <laughs> I know, I know. But go enjoy some summer, man. <laughs> um, Gustavo, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. All right, Jules, enough South American stuff, which positively exhausts me. How yes. about some quick hits? <laughs> Let's go, guys. This is way back on Monday, Jules, but it took me several days Whee! to calm down. Such was the relief. A nil-nil draw in Germany against Ukraine, and Italy will get to defend their title at the year. Yes. But it came down to Cristante and Mudrik. Ah, and
2: oh, the- oh. that's a penalty. 100% 92nd minute. I was watching, and I-, I swear to you, I jumped off my sofa. Sure. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to give it. He's going to give it.
0: Nothing. You were so Nicky. Hey, I, I was I, I, I said this is it. This is North Macedonia. Again, I mean except we'd have to go in the playoffs. But um I thought it was a penalty in real time. If you watch the replays around enough times, it's a little bit like staring. And you know those Rorschach tests that like the psychologist gives you? Yeah. And, like, you know, it's like a big ink stain. They're like, what do you see? Yeah, then some, then eventually you see one where there's no contact. <laughs> but but I in see. the real world, it's a penalty. Uh, I would love to know. for Ukraine. A bit. I would love to know whether they got caught in some VAR hell where yeah. it's like clear and obvious whatever, but. I, I do feel for them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. And
2: Gab, you have a column up about this on the ESPN website. But for our listeners who can't read, or, or maybe don't have the internet, or a computer or phone...
0: <laughs> but be, somehow can listen to this podcast. Yeah, sure. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. What do you make of this study team? Are there actually any
0: good? And can they do well at the Euros again? I think they can do well at the Euros because it's a knockout tournament, because Greece won it in 2004, because I don't think there's anybody who's really good and doesn't have evident weaknesses, except for France. But then again, they have Didier Deschamps. Um, so, so yeah, uh, you, you can't rule it rule it out. However, there are massive flaws and massive gaps of talent. And it's a shame because, for me at least, they play attacking football. They play positive football. They, 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 couldn't, they yeah, yeah. couldn't score two or three goals. Yeah, the first half. they dominated. going scored two or three goals. But you can't put it in. And the reality for Italy, unless Kamaka suddenly... Becomes yeah, but good. No' Camaca that came on on Monday night. That was no. horrible. A Raspadori can't get a start for Napoli. Uh, Moise Ken is more of a winger anyway and not particularly good. I'm serious. I was actually yeah, thinking no, about finishing. This. Yeah. Uh, Giro Immobile nobody likes and he's injured and he's having his worst season and he's old now. So I was actually thinking we get into the world of Lorenzo Luca, Pietro Pellegri. Nah, All these guys do Raspadori a- would be your starter, no? Respadori, what? The little Romario? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, let's, let, 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 let's be realistic now. It's going to be Pellegri. Pellegrini's going to be fit. The cyborg will be back. I've been waiting Peligris. for him to get fit for the last four years. <laughs> Since he was 16. Yeah. North Macedonia, meanwhile, drew with England in that group, 1 1. Jules, you complained that England were terrible against Liverpool. Yeah, they were. Were they even worse in this game?
2: They were bad. It doesn't bad. matter. It doesn't. No, it didn't matter because they were already qualified they were already uh, like CD. they would be in part one for the draw on December the 2nd so no in a way I, it doesn't matter so much but it, but it pains me really and it's, it frustrates me that such a talented squad of players doesn't play better football than that even against a team that played with a low block like North Macedonia did and we knew even if they were at home that they would play like that that there's almost there's not much and you need an own goal in the second half, to avoid defeat, you could have given another penalty because I'm sorry, the Maguire foul, the stumbling on. That's that's not a pen, it's beyond me. Yeah, Rico Lewis Wait. was good, I thought. Uh, Trent played okay. There's, there was some good movement at times, but just not enough. And I just don't
0: understand. I just don't know where this team is going. But, 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 but I'm sorry, but this is what we're talking about. We're talking about incomplete teams, right? If you were to. Just just do a measure of talent. This would probably be the second best team in Europe, yeah, right? Yeah. However, when that talent is all in certain positions, and at the back, and I'm sorry, Mark Gay, absolutely fine, right? But is he on a par with the talent they have in other positions? No, no, definitely not. Maguire, let's not even get started. Yeah. Stones, maybe, when he's fit. And then beyond that? Yeah, and- Levi Corwell, for me, he's the one. Oh, Levi Colwell, who's at his first season at a big club, who's in and out. Yeah. This bet. is what we're getting into. We're Kieran yeah. Trippier, you're like, Oh look, he's so good. I like... still freaking Kieran Trippier with all the respect, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like compared to positions where you have Foden and Kane and whatnot. And yeah, you, the white you know. players. No, yeah. no, for sure.
2: I'm just as you know, and I would repeat it again, for me the problem is the manager anyway. Talking about manager, Uruguay beats up Bolivia 3-0, and Darwin Nunez scores again, another two goals. Gab, the great Marcelo Bielsa's experiment
0: is working. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny because I still think this is, you talk about departures from the guys, the guy who came before you, or right, not so much Diego Alonso, but before yeah. that, under, under the professor Tavares. This is what Bielsa is all about. They seem to be having fun, they're running themselves into the ground. It's perfect for Darwin Nunez, yeah. it's absolutely perfect for his style of football. Um, can this work in a tournament setting down the road? This was Bielsa's undoing until 2002. Yeah. I don't know, but for now, it is a lot of fun to watch, and they're really, really good. And i tell you what, they're second right now. They could top South Definitely. American qualifying. France do not oh, finish I their should, Euro yeah, qualifying yeah. campaign as perfect, unlike Portugal and Cristiano, Yeah, uh, as they're held 2-2 by Greece. Jules, Kylian Mbappe came off the bench. But they still looked like a pretty good team. I would say first 11. Yeah. There's no magic mic between the sticks, but
2: still, it's pretty good. It was what good. happened? It was good. It was good. I think they just switched off on the just after the break where they conceded two goals in five minutes, two poor goals to concede. Jules Koundé getting nutmegged. Remember when Brian Saragossa did him the other day in La Liga? Well, it was the same. Uh, in this game, and it's then the
0: a with Jocundi, eh?
2: yeah, I know he should maybe focus a bit less on his dress sense and a bit more on the football pitch. But that was not good, I'll And but then France came back, and as we will see in the next quick hit, they should have also won it. But it was not. It was not bad. You take alone, you don't lose at least. Kylian came off the bench, almost called to win it as well. So it's okay. It's okay. And as we mentioned, Gabi, France would have won this game if Goal Line Technology had been in place and judged that Kingsley comments deflected cross had crossed the line, but it didn't because there was no goal line technology in this game. Why not? And that's Griezmann was pretty unhappy about it.
0: So first of all, they have VAR and I don't think it's definitely conclusive. Five VAR the no, cross the line, yeah. right? So Anton Griezmann says, Oh you owe have so much money they should put this in. So the reason it's not in is because goal line technology depends on 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 the stadium that yeah, you on play the in, right? On true. on 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 the hosts and stuff. And the thinking, and so they don't have goal line technology in all of Euro qualifying because they want to have a level playing field for everybody. And installing goal line technology on one, wherever Liechtenstein or Andorra play their home games is expensive mm. and they're not going to use it. So that's the reality, Antoine. So as long as you have very small countries in UEFA participating in these, you're not going to have goal line technology. Guess what? I'm totally fine with it. Chill. I don't care. You shouldn't care either. <laughs> More bad news for our boy, Julian Nagelsmann, Jules. The yep. Leroy, Leroy Sané gets sent off early in the second half. Yep. And they lose to Austria, 2-0. How bad is it, really? I mean,
2: okay, you you played the whole second half pretty much, let's say, at 10 against 11, because Leroy Sané was sent off for his stupid uh, like altercation with Mwene. Yeah, you know, if
0: you're going to you push somebody, sure? First of all, you find Jose... But don't do it in such a way no. that you hit him in the face when exactly. you push him, even if you're taller than him. Uh, yeah, push down.
2: I push down. They were already a goal down by, the, by that time Sabitzer scored. They were not good in the first half. They were not good at 10 with 10 men. I know it's a process, I'm sure, and we've, we've explained when he was appointed that as a manager himself, it's, a, it's, it's all about the process and all about details and all about working. Trust the process. That 4 2 2, two is not going to get put in place on its on his own, really. That 4 2 2 is just not working right now at all. And even less when you've got Kai Havertz at left back. So. And you're not going to diss Kimmich and Gundogan again? Uh, no, because it was uh, not them playing. Goreska and Gundogan played. And it was not much better this time. So... <laughs> exactly. I don't know what to say. I mean, you there's a lot Kimmich of work to do there. There's a lot of work to do there. And Nagelsmann is also, Gabi, getting killed for appearing to
0: tell his goalkeeper, Kevin Trapp, To fake an injury. So this is not a good look, but he kind of made it worse. So what happened was Leroy Sané gets himself sent off. They're not expecting it. So they're all in a tizzy, and they're thinking, all right, we need to send tactical instructions. How are we going to fix this? Blah, blah, blah. And because if a goalkeeper... Is injured. It's the only position where they're apparently they're not required to get treated off the pitch. Everybody else, a referee, will ask you to go off the yeah. pitch, with the goalkeeper, all the reasons they don't do that. John Terry incidentally came out and said, Oh, Mourinho had us do yeah. this all the time, right? Um so he appears to like wave his arm to kind of tell him to stay down. It's not a good look. No. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he meant. He made it worse afterwards by not addressing it. Yeah. The Austrian, Austrian media to really angry about it. Dude, just address it. Just say, like, hey, guys, it's in the rule book. I took advantage of it. Does it make me a bad person? Yeah. I don't know. But don't. This makes it seem like he's got something to hide. I just know. don't do it. I know. Jules, you love to make fun of Dutch football, but they did beat Gibraltar in Gibraltar 6-0 with Calvin Stengs oh. bagging a hat-trick. And when France played Gibraltar in Gibraltar, it was only 3-0 and you needed a penalty and an own goal. Yeah, because we stopped playing not to humiliate them. Oh, That's yeah. Why, like why you was did at the return lane. That's yeah. why it was
2: only 3. The Dutch and the, you know, the Dutch guy clearly thought a line. <laughs> Let's go and keep scoring. I'm happy for Calvin Stengs because he came to France and Nice and didn't work out for him. Now he's back home and he's much better. Well done to them, and you know what, they in Pod three, the Dutch, for the draw of the Euros in, on December 2nd, and I would not want to face them, I won't lie.
0: Calvin Stengs is my f- second favourite footballer named Calvin. After? After Calvin Bassi, but that's because Calvin Bassi is okay. actually Italian. Okay, fair enough.
2: According to a newspaper report in England, Manchester City and Manchester United could both be out of the Champions League next season if, that's a big if, Girona and Nice finish higher than they do. Gab, what is this all
0: about? So this is uh, assuming Sir Jim Ratcliffe uh, takes over yeah. uh, United, which, by the way, that's now slid. Apparently, we're not going to get uh, uh, we're not going to get a resolution on this until next week. But as you know, they they do have multi club ownership rules under effect. It certainly looked as if um, Chefrin has has gone softer on it and is much more tolerant of it. However, as the rules stand, according to uh, the UEFA source cited in this story, if two teams with the same owner. Both qualify for the Champions League, then the one that finishes higher in their respective league in, in their league yeah. gets to play in the Champions League, and the other one has to play in the in the Europa League. So, hypothetically, if Girona finish second and Manchester City finish, City finish third, yeah. Manchester City not count, not allowed in the Champions League, oh. and equally, okay, United getting in the top four. I don't think you believe that'll happen, but if Nice finish higher than United, it would be the same thing. Now. Do I think this is going to happen? No, nope. because I think they'll find some logical work around um, because I think that's the direction of travel. But as the loss stands today, according to this guy, that's exactly what would happen, which, yeah. would, which would seriously be adding insult it would, to the injury. be. The Premier League will not be banning related party loans this uh, January, which means in theory that Newcastle could raid the Saudi Pro League for top talent. That's something. right. From Ruben Neves to Kareem Benzema to Cristiano, uh, to Cristiano, yeah. Uh, Jules, there wasn't enough support among the owners, apparently. Yeah. That's not really surprising, right? Yeah. So you need
2: fourteen of the twenty Premier League clubs to vote in favor, uh, and well, we only had twelve on this, on this, uh, thirteen on this count, twelve on another, on another vote. Let me think. Maybe if you were an owner of a Premier League club who also had other teams, other clubs. Why would you vote in favor of this? And guess how many clubs in the Premier League are involved in multi-club ownership? We've had this before. What yeah. is it, nine, ten? Yeah, ten. It's half yeah. of them. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So they were never going to vote against something that could uh, to, to be to the detriment at some points. I don't know where you stand. I mean, to be fair, I don't care that much. I don't think Newcastle are going to take full no. advantage of it.
0: But No, and they also have something called uh, the Fair Market Value Test, which... Yeah. They've now introduced precisely to avoid these kind of situations. So, essentially, if Newcastle take Kareem Benzema on loan, um, they can't just get him for free. Like, they would have to, okay, they they would have a bunch of nerds sitting together. What would it actually cost you and so on? And it has to uh, approach fair amount. It's not ideal. But you know what? Once you allow this multi-club ownership everywhere... This is what you're exactly. going to get.
2: Exactly. The USA advanced to the CONCACAF Nations League semifinal on aggregate, despite losing to Trinidad and Tobago 2-1 away. But Gab, what was up with Serge in your test?
0: So first of all, he's the first U.S. national team player in history to get two red cards in a single calendar year. Oh, well, uh, I didn't know this. As I uh, discovered from watching Sabat Herc on the okay. America show. So essentially, at one point, he's unhappy with a ref with an officiating decision, yeah, and he goes and he just punched the ball seemingly out of the stadium. Yeah, who's the ball? And then he continues when he continues to argue, even if he's walking off the pitch, he's still talking to the referee, arguing. And to make it even worse, he has his hand over his mouth, which when you do that. Talking to another player, fine. It's because you don't know want the cameras it up. When you were talking to a referee, it really makes you wonder Spirited what because, are you saying, yeah, what, you exactly. what you know, what are you hiding here? It also shows that you know you're not out of control. I think it's embarrassing. His players really let him have it. Greg Berhalter was really yeah, really Ream tough on as him. Well, Tim Ream not happy. Yeah. Uh, look, if you want to play for the U.S., you got to do better. Cards for the set in the Premier League are way up this season, and yep. Howard Webb, the, the boss of the Premier League referees, says his match officials will continue to take a hard line. Jules, is he right to do so? I think so, Gab. I think so. I don't want to see like players being all around the
2: referees, shouting at them, insulting them. You can clearly see as well with the uh, swear words in English, what they're saying. You know, it's not... Difficult to read on their lips, even if you don't have the sound. That's not good. It's not good for us watching if you're in the stadium, if your kids are watching, anything. And it's not uh, nice for the referees either. It doesn't put like a
0: good atmosphere within the game. So No, you know what I like most about this is in the past uh, we've had situations where they said, oh, we're going to enforce this, we're going to enforce that. And they do it for three, four weeks, and then people complain. And yeah, they come and in. so they stop, yeah. <laughs> uh, Howard Webb, maybe it's because he's a bald guy, maybe because he's an ex-cop, maybe he's a tough guy. I don't know. But he's saying, like, no, no, we're sticking for it. I remember when he said he was going to do this in the summer, I was at a press conference or the Premier League, and the buzz was, oh, yeah, but, you know, they always say this, and then after a couple of weeks, it goes back to normal. And no. It's not, it's not going to be like it's this. Not. Well, Whether well, well, you agree yeah. with it or not, exactly. it's it. The same panel
2: that gave Everton that 10 points deduction for violating the profit and sustainability rules will also rule on the compensation claim from the clubs affected by the decision. So remember the clubs who are going to sue Everton like uh, Burnley at the time, like Leeds, yeah. etc. Well, it would be the same panel. And that's strange in itself, right? Everton are not happy and the fans are not happy.
0: Yeah, no, they're not. They're not happy. By the way, Everton have yet to appeal this decision, so it could be that they get let off. Although I don't, I don't. I mean, most people don't expect that because yeah. they did actually breach. Maybe the ten points will change. I don't think. I don't know why it needs to be the same people I know that that go and and, and, and judge this. I I don't. You know, people said, oh, but it's it was such a complicated decision with Everton. Well, first of all, I don't see why it's complicated because uh, it's purely an accounting thing. But beyond that, you're assessing something different. You're assessing the size of their claim. You're not assessing. Whether yeah. yeah exactly. So you don't need the same people to do it. It's not a good look. And, and one of
2: the Q- one of the guy on the panel is a QC who I think represented Leeds before, something like that. So he's already worked for Leeds, being paid by Leeds before, and now he's the one supposed to
0: put a number on the Leeds claim. Yeah, his name is Phillips, I think, and it's not clear if Leeds will be one of the parties that are going to be a, a, no, awarded compensation. Be. He represented Leeds, I think, back in two thousand and five, something like that, and. He's a KC, not a QC. Oh, I said What did I say? Oh, I said Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I take your point. You it's you it's an unnecessary thing. Like, I don't have an issue. I don't think that is such a big deal because, you know, the guy's a barrister, right? You, Which means he's the guy. He's not... He's not a normal lawyer, right? He's the guy that argues for you yeah, in yeah, yeah. It's not like he's their club lawyer or in-house counsel or what he says are hired guns, right? Yeah,
2: so, yeah, yeah. He's a big, big guy. You
0: know my feelings on law, like these guys would represent anybody because it's kind of their job, right? You pay them and like blah, blah, blah. However, again, not a good look. And you, when it's really important that you be seen to be fair, you don't want to give... Everton fans any reason to be upset but now they're even more upset and in fact they're planning significant protests against the Premier League when they face Manchester United on Sunday yeah. Jules' reports that broadcasters are going to lower the crowd noise are you okay with this? Uh, not really I think people should have the right to express themselves
2: I don't know if they're going to swear uh, massively or not I don't know what they're going to say I don't know what the protest is going to be in at the end of the England game against North Macedonia, at the end when they were doing the post-match analysis on English TV, you could hear the fans sh- singing uh, and uh, swear words with that channel and saying that the coverage was not very good. But right, so you could hear clearly. So even if you watch it on television, you would you could easily hear clearly at times sw- whatever they're singing, swearing, etc., etc. So. Maybe they don't want that. I don't know. Do they know already what the protest is going to be and what I, I don't know,
0: but frankly, you know what? The reason uh, fans pay a lot of money to be yeah. able to watch games on television is as a substitute or, or for being there. It's not a substitute, but the same thing, right? Mm. So, and I also think you do have I don't think this is just entertainment. I think there is also a reporting journalistic element to it. So for you to go and lower the, I hope they don't do this, because for you to lower the sounds or to try to sanitize this, except for an extreme libelous situations, I, I think is really doing a disservice to your audience, especially when they know what's going on. And especially since, you know what, Jules, it's 2023. Right. Whatever they mute or lower the sound of is gonna be all over social. Yeah, within you're seconds. Right, exactly. So, so what's the point? Yeah.
2: Mikel Arteta has been given more time to reply to the FA charge after his rent against referees following the defeat at Newcastle. Gab do you understand why he needs more time? <laughs>
0: no, I don't. There's been an international break. Dude, you've had like ten days. And I know you know what? I don't think it's him. I think it's probably and I'm purely speculating here, it's a combination. I think, you know, he's like I said what I said. Um, then the club doubles down with their statement. So the club must have a strategy. So it's the club lawyers saying, "Oh, what should we? How do we answer this FA charge?" And these are lawyers, so they like to take more time than usual because they like to bill their clients more and make it seem like what their like their job is so freaking difficult. But I don't think it's Mikel Arteta who's the holdup here, um, not one bit. So I just had to get another yeah. on lawyers. Of course. Jules, you got a big Welsh heart underneath uh, that French exterior know. so you must have been gutted by that late penalty awarded to Turkey, which means it finished 1-1.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have changed anything, even if they won that game, because Croatia won in the same time against Armenia, so it doesn't matter so much. The Ben Davies, very, very, very generous <laughs> very soft. penalty, very soft, given by the referee, but but even if they were disappointed by the draw, it was such a good performance from Wales mm-hmm. overall. I mean, I know Turkey were already qualified, but they were not sure to top the group. And by the way, they're not topping the group. Uh, oh no, they still are topping the group. But but it was it was very encouraging the way they played. So
0: they will take that into the playoff because, Gabi... I'm sorry, that was a big response too, because they were very disappointing. Against Armenia. Against, against Armenia, Brendan Johnson missing those chances. Yeah, that's where they lost
2: that yeah. uh, direct qualifications because now they end up in the playoffs. Gabby, and here's the draw, and it's prediction time. All right, let's do this together to make it even yeah. more exciting. So, w- let's start with Poland and Estonia, and Wales
0: and Finland, which are the path A. So these are single-leg games. There's no yeah. there's no home and away. Um, you only play one leg, so obviously a big advantage of the home sides. I, I assume it's Poland and Wales. Yeah? I assume so too, yeah. And then Wales, that would mean that Wales would play... At home against Poland, because, again, there are higher higher seated in this extremely convoluted system that only Dale Jan- yeah. Johnson and Giorgio Marchetti understand. Um, Wales against Poland. And Wales pre- and Ben Davies, our friend Ben Davies, are going to go through. Oh, all right, there you Then we've
2: got Israel against Iceland and Bosnia against Ukraine in the semifinals of Path B.
0: Is it UK- Bosnia at home? Rather than Ukraine, it's Ukraine at home, no? Uh, Bosnia, oh, sorry, at home, Bosnia, Bosnia at home, yeah. at home yes. Okay, well, we're going to have to figure out where to play I- Israel and Iceland. Yeah, Although, to be fair, this is in March, so you know, let's pray that that situation there is 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 over, maybe, yeah. hopefully. Um, Iceland have been so disappointing after years of telling us how smart and how good they were. Um, I have Israel and Ukraine advancing. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I, I, and then Ukraine playing at home. Again, hopefully, we'll be at home. I won't Maybe, be at yeah. home. Yeah. More, most likely, it'll be in Germany and Ukraine. Uh, yeah, being I agree with you. And then finally, Georgia
2: against Luxembourg and Greece against Kazakhstan in past C.
0: Okay, so Georgia, I, I want to see Kvara scale at ah, the Euros. You do. I got to see that Luxembourg. You guys did really, really well. What did. It, double it's figures right, in yeah. points. Yeah, yeah. But come on, we want Kvara. Yeah,
2: Yeah, yeah. Georgia.
0: And then Greece against Kazakhstan? It would be really cool to have Kazakhstan at the Euros, but I can't go against my brothers from another mother. Yeah. Come on, man. So it's Greece against Georgia, and I'm going to go Team Vlacodimos to upset Team Kvara.
2: No, nah, Even though it's we...
0: actually that game is actually in Georgia, I think.
2: Yeah, uh, and the... Georgia have a French manager, manager in Willy Sagnol, of course. So I go for... Big Willie, no, just a, uh, not just a, not just a friend. He's <laughs> little though. He's not big. No, no. Like he's a. He's big, he's a big head coach. Arzu. He's a good head coach. But so. who's smaller, him or Lizarazu? Nah, Lizarazu. My sibling. Willie Sanyol is not small. He's not short. He's not short. Lizarazu is not Sanyol. Alright. Right. So I go for Georgia for me. So this is the difference that we have. Georgia yep. and Greece. Yeah. Let's see. Good.
0: Let's see. Barcelona keep rolling in the Women's Champions League. Joel Salma Pariuelo bags two, and they come from behind to win 3 1 away to Eintracht Frankfurt.
2: Yeah, they made it hard for them to uh, elicit, I a little bit, because they were one down at half time, like you said, Gabi. Uh, but that second half was really good. The way they moved the ball, I thought Frankfurt were a little bit naive, maybe tired from the first half and all the efforts. Um, so, in the end, it's a good win. It's such a talented team. It's such a pleasure to watch them play. So, well done to them. Venezuela hold Peru to a 1-1 draw in Lima. Begab Nael Ferra, Ferraresi said that he was hit twice by a Peruvian police officer when he tried to approach his fans in the stand after the game. You can f- check out the video. You see it. the The fans arrive, and the video the, the players arrive, and the video is from the fans' point of view, if you want, down towards where the players are. You can see the police almost gathering around the players and being nasty.
0: Yeah, I. so it's a shame that we have to talk about another incident like this in, in, in South American qualifiers yeah. after what happened at the Maracanã. Um, I hope there's a full investigation here because Venezuela really, really angry about this. Um, they said that their fans had to submit to migrant compliance checks on their way in. So bad. Um, they said that they, they claimed that their plane was delayed in leaving. Uh, afterwards, there was some issue with refueling. It's all an excuse, but fundamentally, one of the great things about your about uh, international football, and in fact about football in general, which I absolutely love, is after a result when the fans, when the players go over and thank the fans and celebrate the fan with the fans, especially the traveling fans in this yeah. case, and for this guy to go over and to have you know some fool with a badge. And, and, and a baton hitting him, um, that's just not, that's not acceptable. That's not. What do you think they were going to do, the Venezuela fans? Riot? Come on, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I, hopefully there's a full investigation here. Yeah. Football League's hacker Rui Pinto was convicted in a Paris court for hacking into Paris Saint-Germain executives and making private information public. However, this is one of those convictions with a twist, Jules. Because his punishment, he gets a six-month suspended Suspended. sentence, which basically means don't commit a crime and you're good. And then he has to pay damages of one euro to Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, that's right. Court cost of a couple thousand. Uh, I'm afraid to say the court has a lot of sympathy here. Yeah,
2: it maybe comes down to the fact that he's cooperating heavily with all the investigations, everything, everywhere. Maybe it's that, or maybe like his lawyer said, his French lawyer said, oh, look at him. He's got still a child's face.
0: He had a child's face when he was 25, 10 years ago, and was doing this. When well, he stole a child's face, so I don't know. He
2: stole stuff on Angel Di Maria and Javier Pastore, who at the time were maybe not paying the taxes like they should, or some kind of fraud like this. And then on on PSG's, um, apparently for their recruitment for their academy. That there were some quotas involved and they maybe didn't want too many players from similar background or similar color and that kind of stuff. If you didn't want black, which, player, yeah, too many exactly, black players. Yeah, exactly. Which is mad, really. But hey, I think he's got bigger
0: fish. Bigger fish
2: to fry. Yeah, Well, he's happens. already
0: had that three-year yeah. conviction in Portugal, which of course has been suspended as well. Yeah, It's funny. When he says he's cooperating with the authorities, I, I suspect there's more to this because he always says, oh, no, it's just... Well, originally he said, No, I wasn't hacking the information. People were giving me the information. Yes, if you yeah, remember I remember that. that, yeah. Now I think it's pretty much been established that he's hacking, right? Yeah. But here's the thing if he's hacking, he's doing it on his own. So when he's cooperating, when you hear about people who are cooperating, right, who do a deal with prosecutors, yeah, usually it's be because like, give they're identified the yeah, names yeah, of yeah, other yeah. people. So. We still I I'm I still think there's more to come on this. We still don't know because the amount of hacking he's done, as if this guy is a you know freaking genius, Matthew Roderick and war games or something. Yeah. Uh but I don't think he is, right? So I think there are people who maybe, were working with him. Maybe. Otherwise, yeah. what the hell are you cooperating on? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Into Miami have denied reports that they plan to play in a precedent tournament in Saudi Arabia that could have seen Leo Messi. Face Cristiano Ronaldo. What's going on?
0: Well, this is weird to me because, you know what? Maybe they've denied those reports, but they should be doing it. I know. Everybody would want to see this. It's a massive commercial operation. There's even, like, David Beckham, the interviewer the Times, where he talked about choosing Inter Miami's pink sh- strip. Which, yeah. You know, um the only other, uh, I think, high-profile football club that wears it is Palermo. Palermo. Uh, the pink and black attack. Of course. Uh, owned by... City football See, group. There exactly. you go. Uh, so if they finish higher than Manchester City, well, I mean, yeah, um, it would be stupid not to, right? You you signed them to promote your league and to publicize and whatever. So maybe they haven't agreed it yet, but if they haven't, those you, reports don't come out like they were. You know, they were. Maybe they haven't agreed it yet. Yeah. But maybe they will agree it. I mean, you'd be stupid not to. I agree. Unless you think. There might be some political reason you don't want to, the climate, your owners. It's a bad look for whatever reason, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, you'd be foolish not to. Yeah, assuming, by the way, we don't know this, assuming the Saudis want you, because let's not forget, Lino Messi said no to Saudi Arabia to go to Inter Miami. True, but he's an, he ambassador, he's an ambassador for the tourism. Yeah, but they signed the, the contract thing. already. They can't I know. take it back. But no, no. Yeah, yeah. It would happen. Jose Mourinho, you knew he was going to be in the show, yeah. thinks that one day he will work in the Saudi Pro League, but not oh, anytime soon. Oh, yeah? Okay. He says, not today, not tomorrow. Um, oh, my God. And he says that if Florentino asks Carlo Ancelotti to stay, then he thinks that Carletto will stay at Real Madrid. Yeah. Jose also said that he left Real Madrid, even though the club begged him of to stay. Of course he
2: did. Which they begged I, 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 I don't yeah, remember at the time, it, like, you had uh, At the time, Jose, you had a lot of- People in that club and in that dressing room against you, really. Um, I'm not sure they begged you to stay. I mean, him in Saudi, I think it's pretty obvious that it will happen at some point. And I even can tell you that it will happen even quicker than Jose himself says. It could well be tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. you know, not tomorrow, tomorrow, but
0: at the end of the season. Well, his contract with Roma is up and they ask him again, like, oh, like, you, did you talk to the free kids yeah, club no. owners? He's like, yeah, we talked to them. I talked to them about planning and stuff. And did you talk to them about getting a new contract? And he's like, no. no. exactly."
2: <laughs> so I'm not surprised if well, Uncle George at some point brings him back over there or takes him over there. Carlo Ancelotti stays. We've said that before. It's pretty obvious and everybody could tell you that, that if he's get offered another... Contract with Real Madrid. He would stay. So, but it's always good when Jose talks. It's always,
0: it's always, always entertaining. Always exactly. Good.
2: Javier Tebas has resigned as president of La Liga. Gab does this mean that Florentino Perez and Joan Laporta are celebrating with champagne and party and caviar?
0: No, there, no, it does not. Oh. He basically, under the rules of La Liga, you have to resign before your term ends so that you yeah. can call new, new elections so you can get another term. You can go again. He wants a fourth term um, and uh, and he's going to run for it and I assume he's going to get it because I'll tell you what, while there are a lot of people who don't like him for many different reasons uh, and I think you see and he said in Don's day I yeah, personally yeah, disagree yeah, with yeah, yeah, me too. But when you look at the health of La Liga and the impact that, for example, their, their salary cap has had, yeah. uh, when you look at where they are, despite the fact—I mean, if I was to ask you now, right? Who, who are the biggest stars in La Liga, right? You would probably say, other than Griezmann, of course. You have him at number one, on and yeah, player. of course. No, but Cristiano Mess, are gone. Yeah, long gone. You know, you're doing Vinicius. Yeah, meh, right. Yeah, still Lewandowski, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, it's not. It's not where they were, and yet La Liga continues to be you know, I think, uh, a successful television yeah, product, for sure. And they're stable, and they're getting investment. Um, you know, I don't even know who the dude before him was, but they're also really having a voice in the yeah. in the conversation, and I think that's important. Yeah. Andre Village bosch is running for president of Porto Jules, and his house was vandalized twice in one night with his housekeeper being attacked and graffiti being yeah, sprayed graffiti, all over the gate. and they... Unsurprisingly, some feel the two things are related.
2: Yeah, you're right, Gab. I mean, it was pretty scary from the way Villas-Boas kind of reported there. He and, wasn't there. No, and uh, put it on his uh, social media accounts. It sounded really, yeah, really bad. The the graffitis, as you said, and tagging stuff on the walls, and then waiting for his, his collaborator, he calls him, or the housekeeper to come out and, like, beating him up kind of thing and stealing so stuff.
0: The be careful here, okay, but the alleg- one of the allegations that is swirling around, this is just completely unconfirmed, is that this was a visit from Porto Ultras who don't like villas Bosch. Okay. Now, he's running for president against your pal Pinto da Costa. The historical Pinto da Costa. Who has been president since 1982. <laughs> no, that's too Now, this is an elected position. Some might say, well, we love the club election model. Um rather than the rich owner model, yeah, you also end up with situations yeah. like these. I mean, you should not be able to run, like what? How many times in a row now? Be- I, I'm guessing the ultras really dislike Village Bosch. Maybe they like Pinto da Costa. I yeah. don't know, it's an ugly situation and yeah. he deserves better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gab, who is Fabio Paim and what has he done to upset Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> yeah, okay, well, first of all, he's more famous now than he used to be, but he was on a podcast in, in Portugal. So he's a guy who, as a young man, he played for Sporting. Um, I think he's two years younger. He's a bit again, of a prodigy yeah. than Cristiano. He's supposedly a prodigy. ended up going to Chelsea very young. Never quite worked out. But he in this podcast and he said, look, I was a really talented player. Um, he said, I knew Cristiano really well because we were there together. Although, again, age-wise, Cristiano's several years. So I think he looked yeah, up yeah. to Cristiano. But, and he, but he said, I could have been like Cristiano if I had half his brain, which I take as a compliment to Cristiano, saying that like this guy was maybe an idiot, he screwed around yeah, whatever. Yeah, whereas Cristiano's dedicated and intelligent to a sport, whatever, right? Yeah. And then he joked. Until that, then that was fine. It's the joke after that that The joke where he said, like, you know, he said, I should I deserve one of his Ballon d'Ors. Like maybe he means that he would have won one of the many. Cristiano does not see the humor in it. That, uh-huh. He said like it would not have
2: been Messi and Cristiano, it would have been Messi and me. As in, like, dominating the football world for 15 yeah. years. He's obviously like,
0: joking, <laughs> Ooh, right? Come on. No, seriously. I he not this term that. or he's joking. But Cristiano doesn't see the humor. He writes, WTF? Who is this guy? Which, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just yeah, no, chill. Okay. chill. This guy's not even? casting shade on you. Oh, exactly. He's complimenting you. Don't you. bother about do yeah, No don't need don't to punch down. Nah, no, exactly. Choules, that brings us to an end. Oh. But huge game this weekend. I will oh. be here on Monday because I'm on assignment. But Nate Manua will be, That's will be right. filling in and tell you all about Liverpool and Manchester City. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.